Keep that in. Hello and welcome to another episode of Below the Fold. In this week's episode, uh, we're actually fil- uh, filming. We're filming. Uh, we're via not filming. audio. We're not filming. Yeah, via audio. We're not filming. This is our last episode of season five, which uh, we're cutting the season a little bit short because we've had a little bit more vacation this year than we have in previous years. So we're a little bit later in the year. This is episode 22 in season five and the final episode. How do you feel about that, Brandon? 22 is a solid number. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Two even numbers back to back. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. We also have Paxton Gray here today. Hi, Pax. What's up? So this is a sandwich season. Yep. Uh, sandwich pa- started Paxton and ended. started this season uh in episode one and he is here for the final episode oh, okay wow. so here's how i want to get started with this episode i want you both to tell me and, and i'll participate i want you to tell me what the last song was that was stuck in your head i want you to sing it actually oh that's not gonna happen but like the last song just went through my head is that you're saying no it's the last song that was stuck, stuck in your head in your head like the last song that was just like, you, you just couldn't get it out of your head. Gosh. That's usually a song from Blippi, who is a okay, sing children's it. YouTube. Sing it. Uh, the last one was, uh, let's see. Floating down the river, <laughs> out into the sea. That's all I know. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Come on, Pax. No, I'm not going to sing it, but I will say what it is. Why won't you sing it? Uh... Cause I don't know all the words, but I do know the tune. <laughs> okay, just do. Uh, it's a, it's a song. It's called uh, "Forget Together," and it's written by Alex Skinner, one of our employees. What's the tune? I'm not gonna sing it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because you're embarrassed or I what? Alex like plays. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Here's the last song that was stuck in my head. <clears throat> Because he's dropping, dropping, dropping science, dropping history with a whole lot of... Is that a kid's uh, show? Style and intelligence, yes I know. Is that a kid's show? And I know because of KRS-One, yeah, and I know. No, that's Sublime. And I know... Sublime, KRS-One. Because we don't want to pay no money to hear the same old sound. Watch him, watch him. Does this feel like a watch nice him, floor take 1.0 in the basement? Sit next to Jacob? Yeah. <laughs> and I know All Pax needs right now is a Nerf ball hitting his head. Yeah. And you singing. <laughs> and it'll be the most nostalgic moment of his life. Okay. Well, with that, let's get started. So I was disappointed that neither one of you went to ModsCon this year. Did you go? I went. I just got back yesterday. And? Uh, it's always good. It was good. My beef, beef's a strong word. Have you ever been? I just... Then I, you ain't can't, I you feel, can't have no beef. It's nothing against ModsCon specifically. I feel like I just don't take advantage of conferences enough to get value out of them. So I, I've come to a realization recently. Because I used to feel the exact same way. And I still do. But... Uh, I, I've created a mental model of like what works for me, which is, uh, I view like my, my brain is like a, uh, it's like a stone in a river and, uh, each article I read or video I watch or conference I go to cut some small, like notch or whatever. And so I'm not going to walk away and take a hundred percent, but there's gonna be something in there that changes the way I think about the world in a slight way at, and that makes it worth it yeah the way i calculate it actually and it's been helpful it's very similar to what paxton says is we pay i don't know i mean mozcon was a little less than a thousand bucks then you pay for your hotel or your subscribers we are moz subscribers so we get a little bit of a discount um but i go and i i literally i take notes and as soon as i hit one idea that if implemented pays for the entire conference it's uh i've i've accomplished i've accomplished something and it's very easy you think about you think about i mean all in food all that stuff i mean conservatively it's probably 3000 but it's probably quite a bit less than that 3000 bucks you go away with one idea if you implement it 
can earn you at least 3000 bucks. That's easy. That's so easy. This, uh, f first of all, this episode is going to be kind of a, uh, an open mic, uh, marketing freestyle. I love it. Where, where we just, we just talk about whatever. Uh, in fact, the reason I like this concept is because when we originally thought about doing a podcast, uh, and this was five years ago, next month, uh, the whole idea was, Hey, let's, let's mimic or emulate our conversations that we had at lunch. So I'm hoping this is kind of like a, a throwback to the original idea where we can just kind of chat about whatever. And I, I, I like took it. I took a few notes, uh, just guiding principles. Oh, like you've already ruined it points. now. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, you I didn't bring notes to lunch. Yeah, you didn't bring oh, notes to lunch. Of course I did. <laughs> <laughs> you just didn't tell us. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so um, okay, so big things that's been going on is that this face app thing. I mean, we know that it goes to Russia. The images. Yeah. Right? When was that? And we give consent to, <laughs> to, to give it to them and let them use those images however they want. Uh, anyway, I don't well, know. Well, here's, here's the thing. In this Russia thing, you tie anything to Russia and there's panic. Sure. Yeah. Like, what? There are no legitimate businesses over there? Like, it's everything they do is nefarious. That's like, that seems like that's the, and maybe that's. The well, propaganda we that, don't that know. Our, our yeah, are. I mean, I think there probably is some level of that, but we also don't know how involved the government is in, in private businesses over there, similar to to Chinese companies like, you know, Huawei and Lenovo. The Chinese government does have some say in what happens in those companies. Anyway, so, uh, I, I think it's interesting. I like, I don't like, but I find it fascinating. Look at a picture of myself, really old. Cause it makes me come to terms with the fact that I will get old and die someday. And so I feel like it makes me look at my current situation differently. So I've liked it for that reason. I, I feel really like, but, I mean, you say you like it. you've, you don't own the app. You've never used it. No, I, I've had like several people take my picture and make it old, which I feel like that says something about who I am that people think to put me in it. Well, uh, what's funny about the picture you showed me is there were what five people in the picture and they were all oldified or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So you, the app doesn't allow you to do multiple faces at once. So whoever sent that to you, they really? had to do one, save it, upload Remember it again, upload do it? another one, save it, upload it again. And they had to stitch do that them all together. Um, I mean, it's not really stitching. It's just, Oh, just, it, Oh God. It, 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 it only like it recognizes multiple faces, but it only allows you to choose one, one at a time. Got it. Uh, so whoever sent you that one went through a lot of trouble to, hmm. to get that one done. Yeah. So here's an article on Forbes about FaceApp. Is the Russian face aging app a danger to your privacy? The very first word, no. No. FaceApp isn't taking photos of your face and taking them back to Russia for some nefarious project. At least that's what the current evidence suggests. So this actually went viral in 2017, amassing more than 80 million active users. It's blowing up again thanks to so-called face app challenge in which celebs and everyone else have been adding years to their visage and with the app's old age filter. Anyway, yeah, that's what's, that's what's interesting to me is like, you think about all the Trump, Russia drama. I mean, all the drama that's existed with Russia and the United States pretty much like our entire existence. You apply that, or that belief system onto this app being Russian and everyone's like, holy cow, Russia's going to use yeah. my face to steal my identity or something. I'm still just curious how it went viral, which my only hunch is like, art like this article went live four days ago and it's like viral face app challenge. What would you look like in 60 years? Well, I, I mean, wonder how, I wonder if the method was, we have all these websites that we own that we've used where you just push out news. What if we just say there's a viral challenge and we throw some images and we <laughs> grab the people and then like you do it enough times and that's just kind of, you say it's viral and it goes viral. I, that's I my hypothesis. Like the way virality works, it's so unpredictable. And th this happens all the time. Like there are songs that get released and publicized that nobody knows about. And then two years after it's released, it becomes a hit song. I will. I am determined to figure out what caused this. Like someone had to have done this. If not, 90 cent floor is going to do a little research. All you have to do is open, open Nuvi, open Nuvi, put in the, the hashtag face app and it'll track. Like, yeah. I got to see like what the last, what was the last four days has gone viral. He'd say week maybe. Okay. So here's what, here's something else I want to talk about. 
I want to talk about. <laughs> I was going to say ethics. <laughs> you know, I actually really like talking about ethics. In you marketing. are a big ethics. Ethics. It comes on. It comes up a lot. Expectation it's because you're someone who values justice and <laughs> justice. You do. You don't. You can't stand it when things aren't fair. And I think that's that's not. That's, is that what it is? That's not a criticism. I think no, that's an I, admirable trait. No I, no, I agree. I mean, things should be fair. Um, but I, I mean, I don't have a belief. But I feel that like life the, should be fair. There's you. You like to have conversations about what is the right thing, like. Is it right that it's done this way or should it be done like... All right, let me use a specific example and then okay, we'll, we'll let's talk hear about it. that. Let's hear it. So breakage. Breakage. This, yeah, breakage. Okay, for those of you who are listening who don't know what breakage yeah, is. Yeah, for everyone else. Uh, you guys know what this is. It's, it's like if you're giving away a gift card mm -hmm. and... Uh, you use it in your marketing materials, right? Like Verizon right now. If you move to Verizon, actually it just expired last week, but last week if you moved to Verizon and, and, and got a new phone, you, you could get a $200 MasterCard gift card, okay? Um, even at Vivint, like we have promotions all the time. Uh, for the next three days, if you purchase a system, you'll get free installation and a $50 uh, gift card. Like that, and, and that's like a regular, and people love gift cards. Uh, this is a normal promo, but, but then in order for someone to get the gift card, they have to jump through a bunch of hoops. Okay. And it's calculated before the, you do the promo that X percentage of people won't, won't jump through the hoops. Right. So at Vivint, for example, and this is one of the things that I, like I, the just, I hate it. Yeah. Rebate is exactly the same thing. I hate it. We offer this gift card, but then you have to like email and, 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 call in i don't remember all the steps right it's like and then fax us this one thing and for every step that you require someone to take and another percent or not you know yeah more percentage of people aren't going to do let it. me lay something down on you then all right hit me so let's let's say there are two people let's three parties there's vivant and then two customers customer a is excited about the rebate wants to do it customer b couldn't really care less about it and isn't the kind of person who's going to jump through the hoops because they don't care about the gift card in in scenario in in one scenario you just give them both cash and you have fifty dollars as vivant to give away so you're going to give 125 and 125 you could create a system where i anticipate that 50 percent of my customers won't do it therefore for those that do i can give them 50. So then they both see 50, one still doesn't care about it and won't do it. The other now gets more. And so basically the person who cares about it nets more. And I feel, I feel like that isn't a bad system. I agree that giving money to people who want it and the people who don't want it, you don't, that's fine. That's not the issue. Now if you hide all of these hoops, uh, uh, that's I think a problem. Well, I, no, I don't. I, I mean, hiding it, yeah, that's an issue, but that's not that's not the thing that bugs me. I mean, that bugs me, but that's not that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you have companies like Vivint, who's like a huge tech company. You have you have companies like American Express, and they have like their you know their their deals. Sign up with us, and you get a, American Express probably isn't the best. Capital so One is the one who did it. Capital One had a deal where it was like get a th hundred thousand uh, miles for your your airline or whatever. And someone did a study and they found that only 10% of people qualified. Like it wasn't just hoops. It was like you had to qualify, but it was everywhere. It was everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so what, what I'm talking about is if someone wants the gift card, we have the technology to make it extremely easy for them to get it, but we don't use that technology. We make it hard enough to where at least 20% of people we know are going to break and they're not going to get the gift card. The people who want it, Okay, twenty percent of people who want it won't get it because they just get lost in the in the in the rabbit hole of of requirements that. I don't anyway, think they get breakage. lost. I think they just they hit a point where like I don't want it that bad. I'm sure there's a subset of people like that as well. Like if you want the cash, you'll get the cash. Not like ah, oh, the buttons disappear now. There's like ah oh, man, I don't care that much. Yeah, like this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I what, think there's probably some portion of the population that do get lost that want it yeah I, I, yeah i'm sure they're both people who get lost people who who stop caring 
But I mean, that's one example. A gift card is one example. If you want to cancel Vivint, I'm pretty sure you have to send us a fax. Yeah. That's breakage. Like that's like, if we make it hard enough, even the people who want to leave uh, aren't willing to take the steps so they'll just stay with us. Right. So are you suggesting breakage is unethical? Oh, I definitely think breakage is unethical. Absolutely. You're taking advantage of, you're taking advantage of, of people. Especially okay, since what about most of it's not the, what about the other side the time then? marketing. We talk about friction, which is essentially the same thing. Yeah. Except when we want people to give us money, we reduce that friction because it's been proven that you reduce friction and you get more money. So you could argue uh, that there's a portion of the population that wants the product and there's enough friction, they won't buy it. And so uh, by eliminating that friction, you increase, you get them to buy something that they wouldn't otherwise buy if there were enough friction there. So is that ethical? I'm not I, I, like this I is an Amazon that. one click buy. Is that ethical? Basically. What? Uh, why did Amazon get rid of that? They got rid of that. I still have it. I still see it Buy now. One no, click. I have buy now too, but you have the buy now and then you have to swipe. Oh, I never clicked the button. So I never seen what happens after it. It used to be you click and it was over oh, on your phone on your phone. Yeah. It's probably just because that's like so many accidental. I heard they had a trademark on that. No one else could do it. Yeah, I heard that too. Like the hit and then swipe? No, no. They used to be hit, done. Now it's hit, swipe. Hmm. I wonder how it is on a desktop. I I, I only shop on desktop. I wonder. There were probably just so many people who were like, oh, I wasn't ready or whatever. And anyway, so so that was, sorry, that was a side thing. I didn't mean to derail that. You're asking, ask that again. I'm not sure I completely understood. So is working really hard to remove friction in a checkout process or whatever? Is that unethical? Because basically what you're talking about is the opposite of when the company pays a consumer adding friction to decrease the likelihood of payment happening. And then on the opposite end, when the consumer pays the company, you are removing friction to increase the likelihood of them giving money to the company. They're essentially the same thing in opposite directions. I, uh, except for the fact like the, the, the hoops that have to be jumped through to get the gift card. If you hide those hoops when the offer is being made and sold, I think that's that's definitely unethical. But I, let's take that part out. Well, sorry. What do you mean by hide? So it's like, hey, you do this and we'll give you $1,000. Yeah. And then there's an asterisk or they don't even say, in order to get the $1,000, you must wait six to eight weeks and send us a postcard and then fax us this and then come to our office in this yeah. place like they hide all those hoops after and, and you don't become aware of any of them until after the purchase has been made i think that's super unethical and uh for this discussion i take that off the table let's say they are being upfront about the hoops I have to jump through yeah, 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 yeah but there is friction that they have added to the process and the other side there's friction they've taken away to get your money so um if they're upfront with it if they say hey we'll give you a 50 dollars gift card if you follow these steps and people are aware of the steps before they do it, I don't think that's unethical. Okay. Even if those steps were added unnecessarily? Yes. I mean, it's stupid. I don't agree with it, but I don't think that's unethical. Okay. The the, the ethical portion is, is the, the... Okay, okay. So let's leave that in. And then let's say on the removing of friction, they do things that manipulate how you... Like how your brain functions to entice the purchase. So... In that sense, it's kind of being hidden. I don't know that holds up 100%, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, I think I get what you're saying. And it sounds like a really great user experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, basically, that's what a lot of UX is, is kind of understanding how the human brain works and manipulating it in a way to entice the action that we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh I totally agree. Now there is obviously a line because there are dark patterns, sure. right? Where you can create designs that trick people into yeah. taking an action that they weren't prepared right. to take. Right. But if you're removing friction to allow people to get to from X to Y quicker, and th- knowing that they're going to Y, that's a re- that's just a really great user experience. Yeah, but I mean, there are those like apps with loot crates and uh, like cosmetic, whatever that you can buy where they they use sites and they use sounds and haptic feedbacks and, and, and uh, uh, a bunch of things to 
make it really, really enticing. Something that is essentially provides no value to somebody's life, helps them feel like there's a lot of value there. And people end up spending way more money than they ever intended. I mean, it's basically gambling, uh, not taking the chance out of it, but like that's how casinos operate. There's no windows in any casino. There's no exit signs. Like they're hard no to clocks. find, yeah. no clocks. Uh, yeah, so w- what was that website? You're talking about like the bidding websites? Uh, no, those that that's that's true too. I, I mean, just like games, like little mobile games that people buy, and they buy a bunch of like. There's this article I just read recently about uh, people who accidentally spend like two thousand dollars in an app just to get like cosmetic stuff in their character, and they like spend all the money, and it's like gone, and they didn't realize like, oh, I spent all that money, and I have nothing. Uh, and I'm not saying they're not at fault. Like be yeah, yeah, aware yeah. of how you're spending money, but know that your 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 mind was taken advantage of. Like people who are smarter than you understand what is going to entice you to do something that you may not want to do otherwise. If you were seeing things okay, clearly, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Totally. No, I, which, I actually, which is great UX. Yeah, you're right. As far from the business side, that's perfect UX. Yeah, th- uh, but is that you know? And you know, Golf Clash so good at that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh, I like never spend money, but I spent, I spent, I, I'm nine, I probably spent maybe 50 bucks on that, on that game, which is like way more than I ever spend. But <laughs> yeah, I see, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I don't, um, that's almost bigger. That's like humanity ethics, right? Like, yeah. I, I mean, I talk about this in my talks when I go around and speak, like I touch on this idea of understanding how the human brain works is central to what marketing is Mm -hmm. and has always been and will always be. And, uh, we are getting to the point where the marketing has the potential to be more powerful than people's agency and ability to choose. Right. Um, now we're not 100% there yet, but I think we can get really dang close, uh, and frankly, we can already get a lot of people to do things that they don't want to do, but we want them to. And uh, so I don't think the answer, uh, I always say, you know, the answer is not to uh, be a good marketer and not use these tactics. But I think the answer is be a good marketer and use these things to get people to do what they want to do and then figure out how to make money from that. But instead, what people are doing is how do I make money and how do I get them to do stuff that they don't want to do so that I can make money? I think the opposite is way better to say, how can I get them to do stuff that they want to do and then figure out how to make money from that? YouTube is a perfect example of that. They had no monetization plan. They had no idea, but uploading video to the web back then was absolutely insane. So hard. Mm -hmm. I remember I used to enter film contests online and the only way I could get my film onto this in, in this contest was to, uh, get my own server or rent my server online, uh, start my own site and upload it so that I could host it somewhere. Cause there was nowhere that I could go and just dump my video. Uh, so YouTube comes along and just says, we're going to figure out how to make people's lives better. Here's a pain point. We're going to do this for them, figure out how to make money later and ma- boom, they make tons of money. <clears throat> Had they started instead with how can I make money? Well, people have this pain point. I'm going to charge them for this. They wouldn't be nearly the size that they are now. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, gosh, this is, uh, I really, I really like this. Um, I think the line is if you cross, if you cross the line where you're intentionally getting people to purchase something that they don't need or want, well need, uh, mm, I don't know. That's unethical. The need part. Like, I mean, so much exists that we yeah, do yeah, not yeah, need. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, once I get, that. I, I, agree. I get that. Yeah. 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 I, I you, agree. Like, yeah, you totally. know, they don't want it truly. They don't want, yeah. That's so weird though. Like why are people buying stuff they don't want? Uh, I, well, maybe the app is a perfect example of that where they're like buying cosmetic things so for my, some character. Yeah. And then after it's over, they're like, what? what did I, do? I didn't want that. Yeah. Well, and also like my brother sells for event is selling for event right now. He's out in Arkansas and, uh, he's telling me some of the stuff that these guys are telling him to do that he's like refusing to do. Uh, and like cancellations are high. Like the likelihood of somebody buying a system and then backing out of the contract as soon as the salesman walks away is pretty high and i think that's that's just human nature to get in the moment to feel like 
what we're doing is what we want to be doing. But then when we have a second to step back, realize I didn't want that though. I didn't want that ever, you know, but I just got wrapped up in what yeah. was going on. That just happened to my wife uh, with a pest control sales guy. Mm. He, he, he was talking to her and I got home from work and she took the opportunity to be like, okay, yeah, you can talk to him and walked off. After I finished talking to him, she's like, I was five minutes away from buying that. And we already have a service. Like she, she, <laughs> she like, and yeah. this was more expensive, yeah. but yeah, that's exactly right. Where they just, I mean, sales, I used to study sales a lot and I did a lot of sales and all, like, if you read about how to do sales, all sales is it's the same as marketing and it's just how to get people to do what you want them to do. And it's how to use their brain and their biases and the way that they think and the way that they work to your advantage, which I'm not saying is inherently unethical because I think there's a place for that in the world. That's called, that's communications. Learn like learning how to speak so that people listen is a great skill to have, but it's when you get them to do things that don't make their life better, that they don't want to do. That's when it crosses into, to being unethical. I think that's where I go. Yeah. There's, there's really not that big of a difference between marketing and sales. No, not at all. Sales is active sales. Marketing, marketing is sales is and mass. Sales. It's sales and mass marketing. Like, marketing is to sales as marketing automation is to classical marketing classical marketing it's basically just saying yeah. it's putting instead of a one-to-one -one, it's one to many that's all marketing is yeah i i mean the other difference would be face-to-face -face versus face-to-computer or face-to sure uh, that's digital but whatever sure yeah so i it's yeah marketing more, automation is just trying to make marketing more like sales yeah so I, I talked to this, uh, uh, insect guy. What, what did I call him? Pest control. Pest control guy. Probably for 25 minutes. Oh my gosh. Like dude. I had what was the company <laughs> just like a small, uh, it was a small local company. I can't remember their Are we name. talking about hiring and firing today on this. Yeah. We just go with the Brandon flow. said that you want to talk about that. That yes. sounds familiar. Did I bring that up? No. Well, we talked about it in the past. Like, what do we want to talk about with PAX? And I'm like, oh, we could talk about hiring and firing. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can talk about anyway, that. Anyway, I didn't mean to get into that. But this, to me, is a perfect example of one point I would make, which is put this in my back pocket, and we'll talk about it later. Anyway, go <laughs> ahead. You talked with him for 25 minutes. Yeah, and I had no intention of purchasing, uh, and I didn't. But for some reason, it's really fun sometimes to battle these guys. But there were a few things that he did that really bothered me. One was fear mongering uh, yeah. or some scare tactics where he's trying to accuse other companies of using chemicals when they spray indoors that your kids can yeah. inhale. And I'm like, dude, screw you, man. Every company is so highly regulated by the FCC that if anything, if any chemicals that they were spraying in, in the house did any damage anywhere, there would be class action lawsuit all over the place. That was one thing. The other thing is, uh, these sales guys, they just claim things that he, this probably isn't, this is probably boring. Actually, he used a mirror to show me uh, in between my siding and my house. And he's like, oh, this is where the insects go up. Um, and he's like, no other company sprays inside the walls. <laughs> and I was like, dude, like one of my best friend works for active. So I like called Cole right after that. I was like, Hey, why aren't you oh, guys? You should have got him on the phone. While I, I thought about that, but I didn't want to put Cole in that position. Yeah. Cole's not a sales guy. So, uh, anyway, so uh, yeah. So, okay. Boring. You use Cole's whatever. company? No, I don't. Oh. He's, uh, he gave me employee discount and it was still more expensive than what I we're don't paying. use anyone. And I just will spray myself or deal with the occasional bug. I like, we don't have a lot of bugs and I don't use anything. It's cause they're all in your walls. According to this guy. Great stay in my walls yeah like as long as you don't come out stay in there all you want <laughs> like, I don't care. we only pay like 60 bucks a quarter who are so, you with i feel like it's i don't remember cheap. it is cheap that's super cheap anyway also very boring uh well since we were talking about it let's talk about hiring and firing what what were you gonna say oh well it depends on how this discussion goes what did you want to talk about well so my conversation with jacob was paxton for those listening is well known for Having a, a green thumb, you could say, for hiring good talent. Uh, but you've green. also... I don't think your... anyone says that. Oh, that's what they say. Oh. Wink, wink. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Paxton's the best. So, Paxton, you're good at hiring people. So, my question with that, 
I think he's good. I mean, you look at the team he's built nice in Florida. He's done a really good job. And the low turnover and all that stuff. So it says something. Well, what about the guy who hired Paxton? That's well, we don't really care about that guy. Chance. <laughs> that was just complete luck. The same guy who hired someone but else. <laughs> are there we won't get too deep into it, but like are there any like golden questions or, or golden tactics that Tactics maybe maybe a weird word, but any like key what questions that you he's do, asking people. Yeah, or what? any key things do you do in an interview that you think is like a really good flag of like this is gonna be a bad employee, this is gonna be a great employee. Um, as far as conducting an interview, I think far more important than the questions you ask are is the attitude that you have towards the people that are coming in to interview. Uh, it's not a fun place to be in to be interviewed and uh, to be looking for a job. Usually, it's not mm-hmm. kind of fun. So I usually try to have as much sympathy as I possibly can, understanding like this this time of life sucks usually and you're just kind of doing a ton of interviews. And so I try to make them feel as comfortable as possible and as at ease as possible. I also feel like doing that helps you to see who they really are um, instead of, uh, you know, a lot of people feel really nervous and I try to see past that, you know, understanding that they won't feel nervous when they work here. So I shouldn't take that into account. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm visualizing your office. Do you yeah. sit on one side of your desk and they sit on the other? I usually prefer for them to sit on my couch, which is not the opposite of my desk, but it's to the side of my desk. Which means that the desk doesn't get between you. Right. Okay. Yeah. But it's a low couch, so you're still uh, sitting above them. So I usually lower down my chair. Oh. <laughs> I do lower my chair. I try to be at the same level as them. Uh, Man, he's I've thought, never told he's anybody that before. Um <laughs> And then uh, also recognize that these are people that sure you may like have the advantage right now in the sense that you have the job that they want, um, but that's not always going to be true. They're going to go somewhere else and they're going to get their job or they're going to work for you at some point. And uh, uh, so treating them with respect is I think really important. All these people who are coming with job like, they tend to treat applicants like cattle because they see so many of them that they stop, they stop thinking of them as just like people who are having an actual human experience, you know? So all these questions that are like trick questions, uh, or trying to make them feel uncomfortable. I think that's all garbage. I hate that. stuff. So, so what do you ask? I mean, I mean, you're asking questions. They're not trick questions, but what, yeah. like, what, what are you asking to like extract? Well, rather than goodness? go, through the actual questions, I think more important is is understanding what it is you want to know. And to know what you want to know, you need to know what a good employee and your company looks like. Um, and so for me, the things that I look for are people who know what they're getting themselves into, like they know marketing and they love marketing. Um, uh, I think that's really important. I've, I've I've run into that before. People kind of like taking a stab at it, and they realize like, oh, this just isn't for me, you know. So I want to avoid that as much as possible. Um, and how do you gauge that? Uh, looking for past experience. So uh, you know, people. I usually try to get people that have some experience um, for an entry level position. I don't really care if it's professional. I just want them to know what like if they're interviewing for an SEO position. What does SEO look like? What 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 kinds of things do you do typically? Like, I want them to be aware of what those things are and know mm-hmm. that they like them. That's it. Uh, so if it's doing their own personal website, school projects, whatever, I just like that people are like, I just know I really want to do PPC and I love it. And so I'm going to, so I look for that. I look for people who are intrinsically motivated. Um, this is, ins- I used to feel like this is because um, people cannot be motivated Uh but I've come to realize I'm just not very good at motivating people. And so it's much better for me to find people that are, can motivate themselves. And maybe there's someone else out there who, and there probably is, who's really good at just motivating people. I'm just not one of those people. And I'd rather just say, who are the self-starters and, and, um, uh, you know, are they going to, um, boy, I just had, I started thinking about something else while I was talking there. Uh, who are like, the self-starters? They're just going to motivate themselves, yeah. you know, like they're going to come in and be excited and happy to, to do what they're doing. Right. I don't need to make that happen. Uh, not to say I don't try. I'm just not very good at that personally. And then, um, the last thing is, uh, how do they respond to a, a difficult things and situations? Um, which kind of goes in line with, are they intrinsically motivated? But when they come up against a wall, 
are the kind of person who sits down, who turns around, who goes over it or through it. You know what happens, and so I try to ask questions that that shed light on on what they do when they come across something difficult. So some yeah, questions. Sample question. Yeah, some questions that get to that is, uh, you know, I like to say like describe to me without telling specifics, but describe to me the most difficult manager or leader you've ever had. And they go on and talk about like how bad they were and why they're bad or whatever. But then the key I got ask is, so how did you handle that situation? What did you do? Some people, they just stuck it out and quit. Uh, some people, they went and talked to them or, the, you know, so I like to see how they kind of got through that difficult situation. Um, I used to ask and uh, I, I, some people take it the wrong way. And so I, I don't love it anymore. But I used to ask, like, what's the most difficult thing you've ever done? And some people will say something like, uh, I don't know. My mom died. Some people will say something like that. Some people will say like, I went on this, uh, uh, this bike ride that was really hard, or I took a class that was really hard. And some people I've had somebody say, um, you know, uh, my dad lost his job and I was the oldest sibling and I was 14 and I went to work and I supported my family. And that was really hard. Uh, and, uh, he even got like, choked up uh, uh, during that part so the reason I, I i like it because it really sheds light on what they think is difficult um if the most difficult thing they have ever done is something that is just part of normal life and like everyone you know like i i, I, can't I vacuum the living room yeah yesterday. something simple it's like okay we're gonna have a hard time because there's a lot of difficult things in this job um but you know, if, if they've run up against really difficult things, I find that those people persevere really well. The only thing I don't like about it is if people don't feel comfortable getting personal, then I feel like it start. It feels like I'm prying, um, and so I, I try to. I don't ask that question. As Which much goes as I against rule one of making them feel comfortable. Sure, that's true. The favorite question I ask, which I just started like six months ago, because uh, I'm I. I've learned that cultural fit is more important than I thought it was uh, before. Yeah. And it's really, really hard to capture cultural fits in a 45 minute interview. So um, I recognized that there are a lot of people who leave their job because it got hard. Right. So you're, you're, you're trying to find out, Hey, what's, What's the most difficult thing that, that you've gone through because they're going to be going through some difficult things. And I don't know what kind of follow-up questions you ask, but, but that's true. Right. And, uh, and when I'm at my job and things get hard, I have this mindset of, um, what can I do to make this better? Right. Like, like there, it's almost like a loyalty thing where you're just like, gosh, things are really tough right now. Um, some people are like, I'm just going to go get a new job. Other people are like, I'm going to try to influence and fix what's going on here. Yeah. So uh, I kind of like this is, this probably falls into a, a little uh, trick, but it's not, I don't know. I, I don't think it's bad. I'll tell you how it goes. So I asked someone, uh, tell me what you don't like about your current job. And, and, and I probably preface it by, you know, even here at Vivint or anywhere, you're going to have problems. Like there's no company that's, that's, that's perfect. I'm not, I'm not looking for them to rag on their company. Like I, that's not the right. point, but I'm asking them tell me, tell me about a few things that you don't like about your current, uh, the current company you work for. And, and, and people are usually gracious and they're like, you know, I, I, I love the people and there are a lot of great things, but there are a couple little things. And, uh, and, and then I'll, I'll pull one or two of the things that they say. Uh, one might be, you know, uh, people are, are kind of disrespectful of heads down time. Right. Like that, that's in an open office space. That's a really big problem. And, and that's not something that, that anyone, I'll, I'll actually just use a real example. So a guy came in and I asked him that question. He said, he said, you know, I went to, uh, or I, I, I realized that the forms on our website were broken and anytime someone submitted something, it would go to nowhere. So I went to the IT team and I, and I, I pointed out to them and they, and they said something like, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. Like buzz off kind of thing. And um and I was like, "Okay, what what'd you do after that?" I mean, this guy's in marketing, right? He's responsible for generating leads. So he's like, "Well, I mean, I told him that one time and 
Yeah. And that was and that was it. Yeah. Like oh no, no no. He said he said six months later it came up and they and they were like, Holy cow, we haven't been getting leads in our forms for six months. What the heck? And then he he, he kind of like looked at me like, ha ha ha. I told him six months ago that that was broken. Like he was a hero. <laughs> and I remember, I remember thinking you are exactly what I don't want. Yeah. I don't want someone who can find a fix. I, I mean, there are the people who find problems and they don't do anything. There are the people who find problems and they may say it once, but if your job is to generate leads and you find out that the lead form is broken, you don't wait six months for someone else to find it. Right? Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's what I found is that, that people who have a hard time in their current job, I want to know what you do about it. Do you, are you here? Are you, are you looking for this job now because you're not happy in that job because you don't have the balls to go and fix things? Cause I want someone who's motivated enough to say, no, this is not okay. Like the forms are broken. And if they don't fix it today, then you go pester them tomorrow. And if they don't fix it tomorrow, you get a timeline and you just pester them until it's fixed. That's what I need. I don't think that. I think that's a great question. I don't think that's tricky at all. Well, see, that's I the mean, thing. You is, know what you're looking for, but there's not a specific. It's not like, hey, A, B, or C, man. Yeah, you're right. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you're you're looking for traits. Yeah. So I, I say, great. So I say, tell me, tell me of a time when, or tell me a few things that your company that you don't like about your company. They say some things. I pull them out, and then my next question is, tell me what you've done personally to improve those things. Right. Uh, and most people find that to be a very hard question. Cause it's very easy for them to say, yes, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. But then when we ask them, tell me how you've contributed to fixing that or contributed to making that a better situation. Well, and I like that. I mean, that gets to that idea of, do you believe like in your core philosophy as a person that you are in control of your circumstances or that all the, like, what do they say? An internal or external locus of control? Sure. Like, are you just at the whim of your, your circumstances, you know? And I think that's, I do prefer, I'm not saying the other people are, are, have no place, but personally, I prefer to work with people who feel like they have control over their circumstances because they incite action a lot. Yeah. So this actually leads me to a conversation I had just today. We had a meeting at work today. This is, this is going a little bit away from hiring. I want to get a little, I probably want to come back and talk a little bit about firing criteria, but, um, we are talking about doing testing CRO on our thank you page. So someone fills out a form. Uh, the way it works at Vivint is you have two choices. You can either call us directly or submit a form and we'll call you within 30 seconds. So no matter what you're getting on a phone call with us. Yeah. Problem is form response rate or, or answer rate is a lot lower and our conversion rate or our sales rate is a lot lower on forms. Um, which makes sense. They're lower in 10 or whatever. They think they're getting a quote in a PDF. I don't know what they're thinking, but someone fills out a form and they're basically saying, yes, I want more information. So they're already qualified and we already have their information. So we're about to call them. That's like the situation we're in, but there's a phone number on the thank you page in case they've changed their mind and they just want to call instead, but we'll call them literally within 20 to 30 seconds. So, I mean, it's gotta be pretty quick. Uh, so before I give you, I guess, how this went down, I'm wondering, so they were presenting three different variations of this thank you page test. And I asked him, I was like, what's the goal here? And, they, and, and their first answer was, we want to see if we can increase the number of people who are calling from the thank you page because our sales rate is higher in calls, which logically that makes sense. Thoughts? Like I, that, that's right where I was when I was, when I responded and maybe I've so given they hints only to see my the stance. thank you page if they fill out the form. That's it. Right. They fill out the form, they hit submit and it takes them to the thank you page. And those that make a phone call f- after having filled out a form convert at a higher rate than those that receive no, a phone just, call. No, just phone call. Well, how do just, those two compare? I currently? don't know. I don't know. That's not a question that came up, but I feel like I, that's knowing that is imperative. But I do know that 2% around 2% of people who fill out a form will call that number. Okay. And they want to get more people they want to more than actively 2%. call rather yeah. than receive a call. Yeah. So first of all, what's your opinion on testing the thank you page, which is a page, you think about CRO, conversion rate optimization. You're trying to optimize the number of people who convert. People who hit the thank you page, they've already converted. Yeah. Right? It's so not, now, I mean, it's not, I mean, probably not CRO. It's like UX something. Uh, I think there's value in figuring out is I think asking that question about everything is, yeah. is whatever the current state of this thing is optimal for whatever it is we want to achieve. 
Maybe it's not CRO though. Brandon, have uh, you ever tested a thank you page? We're about to start testing thank you pages. Like well, on, on 97 floors website or what? Yeah. Just after people fill out uh, case study forms specifically. And we're trying, we don't have like, we're still, that's what we're laying out. Like what do we want the goal to be? Like, are we, are we pushing them to more content? We're going to push them towards a call because they're kind of mid-level offers right now. Cause right now it's just like, thanks. It's going to your inbox. That would be CRO. Cause they're not, they haven't converted yet. Yeah. And I mean, depending on how you define, because they do become a lead. And if someone fills out a form, they become a lead at Vivint. They haven't been sold. Right. Yeah. Um, but we, it's the ultimate, it's the ultimate like it seems to me outcome. Having some messaging about how great the system is and how happy they're going to be once it's installed. And like, that seems like it may, might be more powerful. Yes. Okay. So that came up later, right? Cause originally they were like, we want, we want, we want more calls. But then later, as we were talking through it, and we probably spent way too much time talking about it, but later it was like, oh, we want to increase sales rate. Meaning the more, if we educate right. them on the thank you page, they're more likely to sell after we call them. Right. Then I was like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. But why are you trying to convert someone who's already been converted? Like that seems like wasted time to me. That's not the only metric that I think would be better, right? Because I was like, do like first of all, do we even know how long do they stay on the thank you page before they exit? Like, are they even reading the stuff that's already there? Uh, anyway, so there were all these questions. I and you're right. I I don't want I don't want it to be like, no, we shouldn't test the thank you page. That's dumb. That's a waste of time. But my biggest thing was there are so many things that we should be testing that will increase the number of people who convert that spending the time trying to convert people who are converted. Like it's a different, I it's wonder, a different audience. You, you have to gather more information than they felt in the form in order for them to convert, like really convert, right? Like you need their social, you need their address. Uh, we don't need, I don't think they pull social. We can pull, we can do a soft credit check uh -huh. based on uh, the information they give us. Phone so number you don't and, to, and to get them to become a customer. You don't need any more information than what you ask them in the form. Ah, uh, well, because I wonder that's not if true. you could that's do something. We need, we need an address. We don't, we don't ask for their address to see mm. if we service them. Uh, there may be social. I don't know. I, mm. I don't know if we ask for their social. I just wonder afterwards. if there's some, like some more actions you could have them take while that phone call in the next 20 seconds. Are there some things they could be doing? Like they felt their address that gets attached to their account and then their phone call comes like, Oh great. Well, we already felt your address. So we can skip, skip that part. Let's move straight to whatever. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that. I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to bring that up. I don't know what it can. One question that came up that no oh. one knew the answer to was if, if someone fills out a form and then all of a sudden it goes into our dialer and then they call, does it cancel the dialing or mm. do they, or do we still call them? Because what that does, this is, I was thinking about this as I was driving here. Um, cause if, if we're talking about the rates at which people convert <clears throat> based on us calling them or the, the, the rate at which people answer our answer rate, we think it's low, but if they've already called, but if they've on called the line, us, it looks like they didn't answer. It didn't look like they answered your metrics. That's exactly right. And, 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 if, and we, we think that it doesn't stop the dialer. We think people are calling even though they do. So according to our metrics, 2%, 2% of all form fills turn into an immediate call before we are able to call. I, I mean, 2%, we get hundreds of thousands of calls every month. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. interesting. I like that. <laughs> interesting. Okay. <laughs> that was a side note. I pr I'm glad I brought it up because good points there. Okay. Firing I'll take criteria. my commission later. Yeah. Firing criteria. This is an interesting topic because firing criteria uh, lends itself heavily to culture. Yes. In fact, heavily to expectation, not just firing, but bonus criteria, team activity criteria, hiring criteria, firing criteria. Yeah. If everybody knows what's expected of them all the time, right? And we do team activities and we may have goals, right? It's like, if we hit this goal, we'll go on this activity. Uh, it's not as clear cut about firing, right? It's not like if you do these things, I mean, there are, right? Like if you sexually harass someone, you're if, fired. if you look at porn on your computer during work hours, you're like, there are things that, yeah, you're fired. But most of the reasons people get fired are not those reasons. It's mm -hmm. things that are cumulative, cumulative and added up over time. And it's usually not the case that people even have an idea that it's about to happen. Uh, so establishing firing criteria is a huge cultural um, element 
So 97th floor, which is known for its culture, is that a part of the, uh, is that a, do you have firing criteria? Um, we don't have anything spelled out that is like open for everybody to see in terms of like, you do these things outside of the obvious, right? Yeah. But you know, you do these mediocre things and you're fired. Like we don't have that. Um, everyone is very aware of how they are, uh, attached to the performance of the agency and what their piece of that pie is. So the KPIs, uh huh. So they have clients and they have KPIs and those KPIs aren't just tied to their performance or even bonuses or their salary. It's also tied to their employment. No. Okay. So, um, so those KPIs are part of it. Um, which, you know, we have contracts that have goals that we need to hit. And so part of their performance is judged based off of whether or not they can hit those goals. There's a lot of nuance there in terms of yeah, I get that. whether or not the goal was set properly, other things that are out of their control and what, so you, we can't go 100% off of whether or not they hit the goal. That makes sense. Cause you, you may screw up your goals or your KPIs and the clients still extremely happy in which case lighter penalty. Yep. Well, even if the clients, uh, uh, unhappy, if, if the goals were set wrong, like there was some data that wasn't seen when we made a forecasts. Uh, or Google comes out with this change their algorithm that nobody anticipated like that. That's not, that's not on them in yeah, my opinion. Yep. Um, however, even if it's not on them, we run up against the other just world reality of business is business. And if we don't have business coming in, we can't make payroll for a particular individual. Uh, then we can't have that person in. This is someone who manages a team and they have a bunch of clients and a bunch of their clients leave at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, we, you know, we might, uh, this is extremely rare, but we might have to dissolve a team. So take people, uh, and put them on other teams, um, or, uh, uh, let people go, mm -hmm. uh, which I think is just a reality of life. So we've created a system that we call a buffer system that, uh, teams, uh, as they create a surplus, instead of that surplus going to our, our, the CEO like it normally would or the owner, um, the the buffer is built up and it acts as a cushion for that team so that if something does happen and they don't have enough to make payroll, they have they eat into that cushion. Uh, until so they it's have a company-wide cushion? No, it's a team-wide oh, cushion. Oh, okay. So each I, team okay, has that their sense. own cushion. Once that cushion is up to a level that I feel, uh, and I've laid out, it's not just I feel like, but they have goals. Then uh, excesses from that cushion go to the team in form of bonuses and activities and, and cool uh, presents and stuff like Is that. Is that at your discretion or at the team lead's discretion or both? So it's both. So uh, I'll take some, give it to the, the, the campaign manager uh, as in a bonus or, or gifts or whatever, and then give them discretion over some budget they can spend on, on their team. Um, so there's a combination of, of the two. Uh, so, so, but I mean, the reality is when that, when that buffer is gone, um, then some changes have to happen. So, so I actually kind of like that because that, that turns into almost a timer or a clock. Yeah. If, if it's going, I mean, if it's going down, it fluctuates, I'm sure, but, yeah. uh, I'm sure the team lead has high visibility into what this cushion looks like. And if it's starting to be depleted, he's, he knows as soon as that's gone, I'm going to have to have a hard conversation with Paxton. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's been made very clear. You know, when you hit this point, then I, I love you and I, you know, but I can't keep you in this role is the, I, you know, the, some like they, uh, I try to build enough cushion so that it's not chance. Uh, it would require consistent lack of performance over a certain period of time enough to say, Hey, this isn't, this isn't just a fluke. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is consistent lack of performance, but it doesn't mean that they, I don't want them as an employee. I mean, sometimes it, it does, but sometimes it means you're just not good for this particular role. Let's get you into something else. Um, so, so there's that, uh, but there are times when people are let go that is, it's not because of budgetary issues. It's because of performance issues and, or culture issues. And, uh, that, uh, to be perfectly candid has been one of the most difficult parts of my job and, uh, has been one of the most like draining, uh, taxing things I've ever had to deal with. Uh, but I believe one of the most important things that I've done for the agency. 
Are you the type that gets swayed by uh, life of the employee? Like someone just had a baby and you're like, do I fire this guy? There's there's a degree to which it does sway me, if I'm honest. Um, but I'm probably less swayed than others because oh, sure. <laughs> uh, I, I think about the lives of everybody else at the agency. Like I'm always, my mind always goes to them and their wife and their kids or them and their husband and their kids or whatever. Right. Um, but then I start thinking like about this other employee's wife and kids and this other employee's husband and kids or whatever. Right. I try to think about all these other employees. And so I kind of view it as I am doing my best to protect everyone else who is performing really well. I'm trying to protect them, uh, by making a hard decision for somebody else. Um, and so in a sense, I'm swayed by it a lot, but it's not that particular employee that's swaying me. It's everyone else. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will be honest if there's an employee that's doing poorly and he just had a baby. Okay. Like, all right, give him his paternity leave and then, and then, and (laughs) then, I don't know. I don't know. But like, I'm not, you know, my, uh, I I don't know. You're not a reputation of having a a complete monster, but. So how do you like, in terms of the actual, like step-by-step, so to speak, there's a person for whatever reason you determine, like they, they need to be terminated. It's performance, whatever culture, uh, what's, what's next? Is it a, so a message saying, Hey, let's get meet. to that point. I always tell all of my, my managers that, um, no one should ever have no idea why they're being fired when they sit down in my office, they should at least know whether they agree with it or not, why we made that decision. Mm-hmm. If they don't know why, that's mean, a problem. You, you mean before they come in to do it? Not so, after you're done firing, they'll have a perfect understanding of why they got fired. You're no, saying like before as soon you as pull I them say, in. "Hey, we've decided to, to let you go," they know why. Whether yeah. they can fight against that or or disagree with it or whatever, but they need to know without me ever having to say. Meaning they don't. Where, their where, next where question isn't from. why. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you're saying you've already had a sit down with this employee in the past saying like, either I have or their manager has like say, Hey, this is a serious thing. This is a problem and, and give them chances to overcome whatever that problem is. Do you let go like, like someone on PJ's team? Like, do you also like this PJ? I sit down in every, like everyone that is on fulfillment. I'm, I'm there. I'm usually the one leading the meeting. Gotcha. Um, have so, you ever have you ever sent everybody in the office home <laughs> <laughs> no. to make sure that they're not embarrassed when they pack up their desk? No, I, I have not done that. <laughs> I will usually try to time the meeting for later in the day when no one's going to be there, or early in the morning when no one's going to be there. So Do they reason. know though? Like, so anyone listening, if Paxton sets up a meeting for four forty-five, if, if or I go 8. to fifteen, if I go to the printer, that's a not a good sign. <laughs> the I never print anything except. Termination. Let people go. Uh, uh, that's, that's not 100% true, but I do. It is almost <laughs> always true. And sometimes when I have something to print, I like to like, I print something and I look around there. Some people are like looking over like, now what's going on? Because everybody knows oh, that if Pax is at the I need to move my desk to the printer. Yeah. yeah. Sit right next to it. Take a peek <laughs> Who's at this papers? time, Pax? So you, you slack someone, you say, hey, we need to talk. Like, Usually can, I have their manager today? set it up. But if it is like the manager that you're yeah, like someone I'll, directly I'll under you. something up. And they know before they're even coming in. I assume. Not always, no. So sometimes they're like, oh, wow, I'm getting fired. I know why, but dang. Yeah. And then what do you say? Like, is it like, is there any, like, is there any key things? <laughs> do you, do you treat it like an interview? You kind of get them cozy at first. Like, so how's, how's your weekend, man? No. You, I, you just I, get so right into it. First, uh, first sentence. <laughs> yeah, at what this, is the- so at this point, right? I, I, when you have decided to let somebody go, that's it. You're just, you're just, your mind is made. There's no going back. Right. If somebody can convince you in the meeting that they shouldn't be fired. You should never have sat down with them in the first place. You should have had much more, many more conversations with them before you ever got to that point. So, so, you, so you've never been convinced to keep someone? No, no. I mean, but I've never allowed myself to call them into that meeting unless I was absolutely sure that this was the decision. To you've make. also never had Luke P working for you. <laughs> Bachelorette. <laughs> uh, oh, he, uh, have you, have you been watching this? Season? No, I don't even know. I mean, until he said bachelor, I, oh. I thought this was an employee of yours. <laughs> no. Luke P got sent home and convinced the bachelorette to keep him. Really? Yep. It's hmm. impressive. He just went home this week though. 
So, so it's a brief meeting then. So you anyway, know I keep it short. I don't go into lengthy explanations as to why. Uh, I, I try to keep it to one or two sentences and explaining like why. And then uh, I go through the administrative stuff. I say, here's, severance. here's some severance. Insurance. I feel this. like I want to watch a mock firing with like, fire Jacob right now. You have... No, that, that, would give me, that would be giving me too much PTSD. <laughs> Basically, my goal is there's nothing that they can do to stop this from happening, right? And so mm-hmm. I don't want them to feel like there's a chance if you just plead your case because it's just going to make it harder for them, right? And for me, frankly. S- same rules uh, for when you break up with somebody. Sure. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off. Let's it's, just get this done. And with. then get them, like, I want to get them out of the office before they have a chance to fully process what's happened, right? Because... For their sake, let them do their processing in privacy, right? I, you know, I, I, I think it's difficult for them to... What percentage of people cry? Uh, I don't know. Half. Wow. Probably half. That's a good amount. It is. How many people have you fired, Pax? I don't know. More than 20? Uh, I don't know. Probably around 20. I have fired exactly zero people. Really? Yep. Your entire career? Yep. I've never fired anybody. How many people have you fired? I know of at least one. You're better at hiring than I am. Uh, I think. No, I'm just better at coaching people out. I think only two. Because then I don't don't have to give severance. What? I think only two, maybe three. Oh, you say coaching people out, like getting them to quit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dev Mountain, I didn't have to fire anyone. Uh, The DPGs I had to fire a guy who was actually one of my best friends that I had to hire, and then I had to fire him. So that was not fun. And then. Uh, yeah, another one at nice and floor. Yeah, just early, one. early days. Yeah, just the one. That. I remember that one. I've actually been lucky. Like everyone that I hire, and I'm just like, oh, that was a giant mistake. They quit. Yeah. So that's what I've found. Uh, not not the quitting part, but like almost every single person that I have let go uh, advanced in their career. Like it was a good move for them to leave ninety seven floor. Almost every not everyone. Like there are, I, I, there's probably two that I can think of that had a very difficult time, uh, after leaving, but the vast majority, they popped into something right away that was much better fit for them and excelled and just flourished. I just had Does a that meeting. Does help you sleep better at night? Well, I don't know. No. Cause like I, <laughs> cause I, I have know. no problem sleeping at night. No. <laughs> uh, like I just had a, a meeting with somebody that I had let go years ago. And I just said, man, you know, I feel so bad about that. And he said, honestly, I think about that all the time and is the best thing that ever happened for me. Because I, I just wasn't happy in that role. Uh, but I found something that I do great and he's doing awesome. Like, uh, so, and I think that's true for a lot of the other people that, that I made that decision for. Tell me this, if you were to get fired tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, destroy me. You don't think it would be the best thing that ever happened? I do think it would probably be the best thing. <laughs> Wayne, if you're listening, here you go. I mean, here's the thing. Like we as humans are capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit for. And we love security and we love comfort. Right. And I'm no exception to that. I think like I would love to start my own company and I think I would do pretty good at it. Right. Uh, but I'm never going to do that because I love nice and floor. I feel like, I feel like it's my home the last thing I want to do is, is walk away from that. Like that takes so much courage and so many guts that I just don't have. But if someone made that decision for me, I think I would, I I would do pretty well, frankly. Paxton, I, I admire you more than you could ever know. Mm, That's kind. I don't, I don't communicate that well to the people I care the most about. I really, really admire you. Uh, we're out of time. All right. Uh, fun show. I liked it. Yeah. I, uh, a little sneak peek. We're in negotiations with Paxton trying to get him back on the show. Uh, there he's, he's Paxton just went through negotiation training. That's right. Probably so, after we went through our, I was also in the same training. So that could help counter. So, uh, he has, he has given us a checklist of things that need to happen in order for him to come back on. Uh, this is again, like I said, this is our last episode. We're going to take a little bit of a hiatus, probably a few months organizing uh the next season figuring out how to get paxton back on we'll uh we'll likely be switching studios uh we've been using the same intro music for a few seasons now so we might i don't know we'll probably just switch some things up it's gonna be it's gonna be good i've already been thinking through some 
some uh, some cool stuff that that we'll we'll be planning in season six, which will likely start in October or November, I think. Uh, last words, Brandon. No last words. I'm excited for what is to come for summer break. Start. Uh, we need to start a GoFundMe to to meet one of Pax's requirements because it's going to be a hefty uh, yeah, cost, a hefty so. signing bonus. Follow us on social, and we'll tweet that link out. Paxton, anything you want to say to your new listeners? Uh, no, I, I I had fun. I like this podcast a lot. I miss it. Okay, if you've enjoyed this episode, we invite you to leave a uh, a positive review on iTunes or any other podcasting platform that you're listening on. If you want to reach out, our email is inbound at belowthefold.io. Uh, and that's it. Until next week. <laughs> it's not next week. Until next fall, (laughs) we'll catch you below the fold. Peace. Catch you below the fold sounds sketchy. Below the fold. I'm going to grab you right below the fold. (laughs) (laughs) Your belly. (laughs) It's not your belly.